happy? <laughs> yes, I need oxygen now. Yes. Because <laughs> I'm happy. Clap along. If you feel like happiness is the truth. If you know what happiness is to you. I mean, what does it mean to be happy? You know, how can we be happier? You know, does God want us to be happy? You know, what exactly is happiness? You get all kinds of uh, happy gear. Did you guys get your happy stickers? Yeah? Yeah, some of you have them on your back. I won't say who did it. (laughs) You know, there are happy buttons and happy pins and mugs, jewelry, you you name it. uh, Happy beach balls, you know. They, uh, these are pretty cool. The fact is, uh, a lot of us view happiness as solely depending on what happens to us, right? In fact, the root word of, of happiness, you, you trace it back to happenstance. You know, something that, that happens to you. And I'm thinking if that's true a lot of us are going to spend a lot of time unhappy. You know, it's kind of like happy, 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 not so happy, unhappy. You know, it's it's a lot harder than it looks. In fact, here, you guys try it, all right? Ready? See how long you can keep it up. Come on. (laughs) happy not happy not happy 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 not happy 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 not happy yeah all right you guys yeah it's not you didn't keep it up very long but (laughs) I can see I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose everybody, aren't I? Yeah. All right. How many of you enjoyed doing that? All right. I saw some smiling faces. How many of you are not sure you're in church this morning? All right. Be honest. How many of you are happy that that's over now? Yeah. There's somebody like, please don't come to me. Please don't come to me. No, 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 no. You know, there's a lot of research been done in the area of happiness. In fact, uh, positive psychology, as it's come to be known, has kind of expanded in the past decade. One of the leaders in, in the field, uh, Dr. Ed Diener, University of Illinois, you know, any of you that went there might uh, recognize the name. They call him Dr. Happiness. In fact, there's an entire degree program on the topic of happiness. 20 years of research he's put in on the topic, and a lot of things that you would think would enhance your happiness, things like uh, money, power, IQ, talent, age, climate, I mean, the list goes on and on. Research has shown that it has little or no link to a person being happy. 
two things stood out in his study that made a difference in happiness. Religious faith, now I would say a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but religious faith and strong social connection with family and friends. Those two things played a key role in a person's happiness. Now I want to do a little experiment. I want you to think for a moment about the happiest, most joy-filled person that you know. All right? That, that person that uh, when you think about them, you think, okay, they're joy-filled and, and, and they're, they're just, when you're around them, it just spills. Now, I'm not talking about a person that's uh, syrupy, okay, or real high energetic and excited about everything. I'm talking about someone that's joyful, grateful. They have peace. They, they trust God. They're optimistic when they, when they look at the future. They breathe life into you. In fact, they energize you. You want to spend more time with them. In fact, you always feel better after you're around them. So you got that person? Now I want you to think about the most unhappy, joy-challenged person that you know. Somebody that's negative, uh, they're bitter, they complain a lot. And I want you to think about them. Do not look at them, all right? (laughs) Don't elbow them. Just think. There are people that many times... You don't want to spend more time around. Now I want you to think about a place. Where's the happiest place on the earth? Disneyland? (laughs) I'll be honest with you. I uh, love the idea of going to Disneyland more than I like actually going. And I'll tell you why. I remember when my girls were little, we went to Disney World, okay? And we're thinking, happy. It's Disney. It was 100 degrees. Lines were really, really long. And my girls are complaining and whining. Imagine that. I was not happy. In fact, Grumpy showed up, all right? (laughs) Not the cartoon character. I remember saying to them something like this, saying, do you know how much this trip is costing us? So you're going to stand in line, probably for an hour or so, and you're going to sweat, and you're going to be happy. Or I'll give you something to be happy about. (laughs) It's a great parent line, isn't it? I mean, sometimes things just don't go the way we plan. Then sometimes they go better than you expect. I mean, it was 10 years ago this week, 2005. Faith Fellowship started. Friends, I've been amazed. I mean, it's been a decade that's really just been life-changing. We started this church. 
Happy. Happy. And it got me thinking this week as I was working on message. What if this church became the happiest place on the planet? I mean, what if Faith Fellowship became famous for joy? I mean, what if when people show up at Faith Fellowship, I mean, they might be strangers, they might not know God, they might not know anything about the Bible, they might even be messed up. But what if when they came here, they felt loved, they felt genuinely cared about what if when they left they were happy I mean what if when people hear the word Christian instead of thinking oh judgmental arrogant they thought joyful they thought happy see I I think people long to be happy and happiness is elusive. I, I couldn't help but think about how elusive happiness is when I heard news about Robin Williams taking his life. I mean, he's one of the funniest comedians that I've ever witnessed. I mean, just uh, to be honest, you just see a picture from one of his movies, and it, and it makes me happy. You know, Miss Doubtfire. See, just me saying it. I, you're like, ah, oh, you know, Patch Adams. Good morning, Vietnam. I mean, those movies just, they have a way of making you happy. And, and we pay big dollars for people to make us laugh, to make us happy for just a, just a moment. And I think that's why when Robin Williams took his life that it was so poignant. I had a lot of conversations with people, and here's you, you've got this guy who made millions of people laugh, brought so much joy to people's lives. And to think inside, he struggled with so much sadness, depression. And friends, it's not just him. I mean, for many, happiness is elusive. You know, mental health experts say that uh, today, depression, 10 times more likely than it was in 1960. It's interesting because we're, we're wealthier as a country. We're more educated, but we're sadder. Do you know the average age of the onset of depression in 1960 was 29 and a half? Today, 14 and a half. And I'm thinking, 14-year-olds should not have to carry that kind of weight. I mean, there's something wrong in in our world. And so what I want to do, I want to look at the book of Philippians. It's a New Testament book. It's written by the Apostle Paul. It's a book that's full of joy. In fact, I would say it's a happy book when you read it. And what is very, very striking is that the Apostle Paul wrote the book while he was in prison. 
He's in chains when he writes this. He's in big trouble. He's facing trial. He knew that there was a good chance he was going to be executed. Yet he can't stop talking about joy in the midst of it. He says, I pray that God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ will be kind to you and will bless you with peace. Every time I think of you, I thank my God. And whenever I mention you in my prayers, it makes me what? Happy. I mean, Paul, right out of the gate, when when you read this, I mean, he is spilling happiness. I mean, why is he happy? Well, he's going to tell us in the next verse. He says, this is because you've been taking part with me in the spreading the good news from the first day you heard about it. God is the one who began this good work in you, and I am certain that he won't stop before it's completed on the day of Christ Jesus' return. There's something I want you to pay attention to through this series, and as you read, read the book, that we see the word happy and joyful and rejoicing, the, those type of celebrations celebration type things but we also see a little phrase that's tucked in there he says i am certain some of your translations say i i am confident and and you're going to see that a lot and the fact is paul faced life with a lot of confidence in his life and this is going to be important that, that we understand to make the connections here as we kind of uh, try and get a handle on this thing called happy. Now, Paul writes, he says, you have a special place in my heart, so it is only natural for me to feel the way I do. See, Paul's happy. In this letter, I mean, it's remarkable because that, that happy factor, I think, is tucked in the very first verse of this book. You know, Paul introduces himself and Paul normally, when, when you read his books, he, he will say, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. He introduces himself in the first verse of each book. But this letter is very different. Paul writes, he says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ. See, he doesn't say apostles. He says servants, slaves. That's the word he uses. This letter is to the Philippi church. This was an elite community. It's a colony of the Roman Empire. This is a status-conscious city, one of the most status-conscious in the entire empire. If you were a citizen of Philippi, you were a citizen of Rome, which meant a couple things. It meant that you built your city on pursuing honor, self-advancement, accumulating stuff. In Philippi, the way to be happy was climb the ladder. Paul starts his letter. See, this isn't an accident. He starts his letter using a word that no one in the Roman Empire would ever use to describe themselves. And he says, I'm a servant. A slave. He goes as far down the ladder as possible. He says, you know what, I'm not the master of a successful life. 
I'm a servant of a great, great cause. And friends, this is the paradox of happiness. And that's what we're going to talk about the next few weeks. I want you to think about this. I will never be happy. You will never be happy if your ultimate goal of your life is for me to be happy or for you to be happy. You know, happiness is one of those things that's really a byproduct in life. When, when you pursue something else, when you pursue something bigger, when you pursue something better, there, there's something more important than trying to make yourself happy. And that's trying to make your life have meaning. See, there's a big difference between pursuing meaning and pursuing happiness. You know, there's a study out of Stanford that says happiness without meaning, that what happens is you become very, very shallow. You become uh, extremely uh, uh, self-centered in, in your life. And what happens, when that's how we, we build our lives, is happy becomes not so happy. You know how this goes. I'll be happy if everything goes well. I'll be happy if all my needs are met, which many times means our greeds. I'll be happy when my desires are satisfied. You know, I'd be happy if I could just avoid the pain. I'd be happy if everybody just liked me. I'd be happy if I could just get this or that. And so the focus, see, I want you to think about this. The focus is on my circumstances. I mean, let's play it out a little bit. People will say, I'll be happy when I get this job or that job. And then they get the job. And there are pressures, stress challenges. All of a sudden, not so happy. People think, if, if I just had more money, I'd be happy. And then they get more money. They spend it on themselves, and they get more stuff, and they get bigger houses, and faster cars, and nicer trips. And happiness goes up for a moment, okay? But what happens is meaning goes down. People will say, well, if we just had children, I mean, I'd be happy if we just had kids. And then they get kids. And they think, I'll be happy when they're out of the house. <laughs> right? Somehow people initially think that parenting is going to be this series of of kind of magic moments. Now, there are many of those. But there are also dirty diapers and temper tantrums and exhaustion and problems and a lot of challenges along the way. And here's the deal. If you're not happy with the kids in the house, 
when the kids leave the nest, you know, 18, 20, 30, 40 years later, when they finally leave the nest, guess what? You're still not going to be happy. In fact, what happens as you get near the end of life? You figure out meaning. Meaning's what matters. The aim is meaning, having a meaningful life. And when you obtain that, hear this, when you obtain that, happiness grows. It's the byproduct. If you aim at happy, guess what? You don't get happy and you don't get meaning. If you want to reach your happy potential as a follower of Jesus Christ, you've got to figure out there's something better than pursuing a happy life, and that's pursuing a meaningful life. See, the meaningful life leads you to happy. It's God's design. See, happiness actually uh, comes when, when I practice acts of kindness and generosity. You know, joy and happiness don't come when I get everybody to do what I want them to do or I get all the things I want to get. You know, joy and happiness come when, when I do for others. You know, Paul's writing the Philippians. Now remember, this is the ladder climbing culture that he's writing to. People are, are, are focused on other things, getting things, climbing that ladder. And Paul turns everything upside down. It leads him to write. He says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. There we go again, servant. See, we need God's help to do that. We need the Holy Spirit's guidance to, to do this in our life. And Jesus, when you look at his life, he showed us that path to happiness. You know, Jesus was other-centered. He did for the least of those around him. Acts of, of servanthood giving of himself, serving sinners and strangers. Here's a happy challenge. You know, this week, just do an act of kindness. You know, find something to do. It doesn't need to be dramatic. It doesn't need to be costly. But find something, you know, small, something that you can actually do. Turn things upside down for a moment. Be other-oriented. You know, maybe run an errand for someone. You know, volunteer to help somebody with a project you know they got going on. You know, maybe uh, work, you work with someone. Anybody work with someone that, that's like cranky and difficult to work with? Somebody maybe you don't get along with? Here's a big chunk. Do them a favor. For no reason at all. You know, take food to a neighbor. Visit someone in the nursing home. Make their day. You know, when, it, when I talk to people 
who have served others, and they've done it consistently over a period of time. And I ask them, I'll say, well, why? Why do you do that? And usually they will say, because I get more out of it than I actually give. See, it's how God wired us. See, you got to get out there. Happy's out there. It's in your neighborhoods. It's at work. It's in your schools. It's with a lonely neighbor. You know, you find meaning first, then you find happy. The fact is, we want it the other way, don't we? See, suffering can disrupt happy lives. But hear this, suffering is powerless to stop a meaningful life. You know, suffering and problems, they're part of life. We're all going to go through it. We, we live in a world that really is, uh, it's just unsettled. A lot of negative news. You know, disasters, economic challenges, political unrest, Ebola outbreak, health concerns, racial tensions, corruption, oppression, terrorism, ISIS, war. Jesus says, love your enemies. So he turns it upside down. You know, sometimes if you really look at the world, with open eyes, you go, well, there's a lot of suffering, a lot of pain. There's so much evil. I mean, is it right to be happy? I mean, should we even be talking about how to be happy? You know, when I look at people, when I look at the Bible, you know, what God has to say, when I look at the gospel, there's this oddity that exists. You got this great joy in the midst of great suffering. See, happy happens in the midst of the struggle. In fact, one of the true tests of authentic happiness is it will survive all your circumstances. It'll survive all the problems because it's not based on your circumstance. It's deeply rooted in you. It's substantial. In other words, you just can't keep it down. You know, Paul writes to the Philippians, he says, every time I think of you, I thank God. Every time I pray about you, I thank God. If you read the, the book of Acts... It's when Paul was in Philippians at one point. He was not treated well by the people in the city. There, there was an element of opposition even in the church. And Paul is falsely accused. He's arrested. He's stripped of his clothes. He's severely beaten while he's there. He's thrown into jail. He's put in stocks. That's the situation Paul's in. That's not a happy situation. But what does Paul do? Paul's in prison. It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. 
and the prisoners were listening. I love, I love that line. The prisoners were listening. I mean, what else do you do in prison at midnight, you know? You listen. They're singing. They're in the elite city of Philippi, the middle of wealth and status. And it's two prisoners that make the prison the happiest place on earth. Do you know what song they sang? It's a small world after all. <laughs> no. We, we don't know. We don't know. What we know is they worship God. They sang hymns. They praised God. How should we respond to suffering? I mean, should, should we close ourselves off to joy when we're going through problems? I mean, at first, it, it seems like maybe that's what we should do. But it's really unproductive. You know, the best response to suffering is not hopelessness, it's usefulness. You know, it's not despair about what's going on, it's really a determination that I'm going to make a difference in this world. In fact, I think one of the best prayers you can pray if you're going through some tough stuff and you're suffering, it isn't God make me happy but it's got to make me useful. You know, do something for somebody else. Reach out, visit someone, write a card. You know, get other-oriented, serve others. It's where happy is. And I know some of you, you're going through some stuff. You're hurting, and you're suffering, and you're going through stuff, you know, whether it be relationally, or vocationally, or financially, or physically, or emotionally, whatever. I'd challenge you, turn stuff inside out and just say, how can I make a difference? Open your eyes and look around you and then do something. You know, we need each other. Look around you for a minute. You need the people that are sitting with you. We need to care for one another. We need to be a community, faith fellowship. See, this isn't a place where you go, I've got everything under control, I'm healthy, I'm normal, I do not need you. Now here's the deal, I know many of you, you're not normal. And you're not healthy. In fact, we're all messed up. We need each other. And we need to take risks. You know, we need to drop the superficial happy face. I'm fine. And I'm convinced if we just drop that, we might find true joy, real happiness. See, meaning, meaning ultimately wins. You know, the psalmist says, weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. You know, I don't know when your morning is. Might be tomorrow. Might be next week. Next year. Might be in the resurrection. But it's coming. And you've got to hold on. See, suffering can stop superficial happiness. 
but it's absolutely powerless against meaning and a meaningful life that ultimately results in happiness. See, meaning comes when I invest in what matters the most in this world. And that's a relationship with God and then a relationship with people. See, God wants a relationship with you. That's God's highest priority. But then God wants us to have relationships with other people. People is what matters to God. And people mattered to Paul. Paul says, every time I think of you, I thank God. Every time I pray, I pray for you and I thank God. See, relationships matter. Nobody has, listen, nobody has unhappy relationships and a happy life. And nobody has meaningful relationships and a joyless life. See, they're connected. I mean, there's a, a study, the Journal of uh, Social Economics, and they, they found that a, uh, when a person's income changes, that it brings a little bit of joy for a moment, but then it's just lost. And you think about that, that's something we all live and die for, isn't it? However, there another study, it was a secular study, they, they went in, in depth, and they found that as you increase your relationships with people, your relational involvement with people, you deepen your connections, that it did more for you than getting a $100,000 raise. And study after study after study has said relationships win. See, Paul, Paul is financially poor, but he's relationally rich. Paul says, every time I think about you, I thank God. It makes me happy when I think about you. Now, here's a really tough question for you today. Are you spending as much time building relationships as you're spending trying to be successful, trying to make money? See, we are surrounded by people that God created and God loves, and God wants us to connect with one another. I mean, how many of you, if you were honest, if you were the writer of this letter, you would have wrote a lot different letter than Paul? You might have said, I complain to God every time I think of you. You're in my prayers, and I pray that God will fix you and make you right. You know, the Apostle Paul, he writes later in Corinthians, he says, love keeps no record of wrong. Doesn't rehearse it. Doesn't magnify. In fact, Paul says, just don't go there. See, Paul figured out in the midst of life what he needed to focus on was the things that he was grateful for. I mean, who are you grateful for? Tell them. You know, Paul says, I thank God because of your partnership in the gospel. See, there's the meaning. They're bringing God's kingdom to earth. They're working together. They're reaching out to the lonely, to the broken, to the poor, to the messed up, to the sinful. But they're doing it together. 
In Philippians, it's this book just full of gratitude. Paul, Paul thanks him. He says, you know, you, you've been supporting me. I mean, they, they supported him financially. They, they supported him with their prayers. They supported him with their love. And they supported him because they were in ministry with him. And Paul said, I just got to thank you for that. Because they were partners. Which incidentally is what we are. I mean, whether you've just come on board at Faith Fellowship or you've been doing this with us for the past decade, we're partners. And when I think about Faith Fellowship, I'm happy. You know, the happy life, friends, is not rooted in your circumstances. Where you are financially, where you are vocationally or relationally or physically or whatever, it's rooted in who you are spiritually. You know, from the very first verse of the book, it is very carefully crafted. Paul, Paul says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi. He gives us, he gives us a, a peek here. He's writing to Christians that are geographically at Philippi. They're not buying into the culture of the city. They're not buying into the mindset. Why? Because they're in Jesus Christ. Their residency spiritually, they're residents of God's kingdom. I mean, is there, there a correlation between happiness and location? You know, researchers, they've, they've, they've spent a lot of time trying to figure that out. They're trying to figure out who's the happiest in this country. You know, people living in the Midwest or the East Coast or West Coast or the South. And what they found is there's no measurable difference in where you live physically. People are happy all around the country. And people are unhappy all around the country. But researchers said, you know what, there's really not any determining factor here of why people are happy or not happy based on location. It's not based on situation. Hmm. It's not external. Happiness, they figured out, it's internal. Paul knew that. Paul understood that. I mean, Paul would say location that matters, the location that matters in your life is your spiritual location. You know, what really matters is are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Are you in Jesus Christ? Are you a servant for Jesus Christ? Are you serving people, people that God loves, people God created and desires to to have a relationship with? See, They were temporary residents of Philippi. But he reminded them they were citizens of God's kingdom. See, what matters is not that you're living in Philippi or the River Bend area or St. Louis area. What matters are you in Jesus Christ? See, that's the tipping point. Are you in Jesus Christ? Is that where you're living? 
not where you are. It's whose you are. It's not about what you have, but it's who has you. You know, Christians, in Christ is what matters. Jesus is with you. That's what it means to be in Christ. He's with you. He's with you in every circumstance, no matter what you're going through. He's working in you. He's watching over you. He's protecting you. He's involved. He's paying attention. And you may be in trouble. You may be in debt. You may be in prison. You may be in the hospital. You may have your, just all kinds of problems. But if you're in Jesus Christ, you're okay. Because he's going to watch over you. Paul would say if your spiritual location's in Jesus Christ, your geographic location could be anywhere on the planet. And your joy and your happiness is connected to that relationship. See, joy and happiness is not about, ooh, I'm in a good mood. No, it's bigger than that. It's a state of being being in Jesus Christ. And that's why Paul, he would write later in this book, to rejoice. And he doesn't just say rejoice. He says rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. That's what shifts things. See, in, in Christ is where you find joy, where you find happiness. And that's what we're going to unpack over the next few weeks. I hope you'll make a a point of being here. I don't know about you, but I want to live a joy-filled life, happy life. I want this to be, Faith Fellowship, the happiest place on the planet. And the way we do that is we stay in Christ. And we stay focused on Christ. And we make sure our relationship with God's right. Let's stand for a word of prayer. Our holy God, God, we praise you. God, I know there are some that are going through some tough stuff. But God, I pray that your spirit would uh, just nudge them. That they would recognize that this world's full of tough stuff. God, we know that uh, when we stick with you, that joy does come in the morning. God, we long for that. God, I pray that you would uh, just uh, open our hearts through this series that uh, we'd develop joyful hearts, happy hearts. Even through the problems, that that would shine. We'd find hope. Your spirit would just... uh, Lighten the load. 
God, we uh, look forward to what 2015 has in store. Look forward to the opportunities. God, I pray that uh, as we pursue you, as we pursue meaning, that uh, we'd find that joy. God, we just give you the glory. We give you the praise this day and every day. Amen. Our prayer teams are going to be down front following uh, our, our worship. Uh, if you got something you just need to lay out there and uh, let them pray for you, maybe you don't want to tell them what's going to just say, hey, I need prayer for this or that. They'll be down here. Um, maybe you start the, this year off and uh, give your life to Christ. Let our teams pray for you. And uh, we're going to uh, get happy. Smile. Look happy, and let's, let's be happy this morning.